God is more your thing. I'm a science kid. That's NOLA pretty much any time the topic comes up. <laughs> Though, for the record, her current favorite science is cryptozoology, the study of unknown animals, cryptids, like the Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, and especially Bigfoot. You know, science. To her consternation, I feel about Bigfoot the way she feels about God, unconvinced. And I mostly don't try too hard to convince her. I know there's no faster way for her to check out on the whole project than to force the issue. But when she brings it up, I like to stoke her curiosity. I'm a kid who grew up debating theology with my minister dad, and I kind of like now to debate theology with my PK kid. Like last month when she said, there are no pictures of God. I told her, well, there are no photographs of God, but people have made lots of pictures, pictures that look a lot of different ways. And she thought for a moment and said, I guess God is like Bigfoot. And I waited for the explanation. And she went on. Lots of people have made pictures of God, and, and some things are different, and some are the same. There's not just one picture. No one has the one picture of God. Paul arrives in Athens and is horrified by how many different pictures there are of God. Everywhere he turns, there's another temple with another face. And meanwhile, he is sure that he's seen the real thing. And he tries to tell the Athenians so. He tries to paint a picture of the God made known in Jesus for anyone who will listen. And whether you believe that God is like Bigfoot or not, Paul is definitely like a cryptozoologist, at least to the Greeks. They call him a babbler. And in our version, they say he's a proclaimer of foreign divinities, which is kind of like a, a cleaned up euphemism translation of the Greek. Xenos, yes, can mean foreign, but it also means strange or alien. And daimonion can mean a lesser god, but everywhere else in the Bible, it just gets translated as like spirit or demon. They say Paul is talking about alien spirits, about demons. And they call him and his God strange at least three times in this passage. He's a joke. He's a kook. So they bring him to the Areopagus where all the, sorry about that, <laughs> where all the philosophers debate to laugh at him. And he starts off just the way they expect him to. He's talking about the temple that he's seen dedicated to an unknown God. And he insists to them, I'll tell you about the one you don't know. This mysterious one that you've heard of. He starts to show them the footage that he has. He breaks out like a plaster cast of the tracks that he's made. God's footprints, he assures them, are everywhere, all over the world. But then 
Maybe he can tell they're still unconvinced. Then Paul does something very un-Paul-like. He stops trying to convince them. He stops proclaiming to them, and instead he tries to stoke their curiosity. He tells them, the God I'm talking about, the one who created the the whole world and all of us and set us down in, in different places, speaking different languages with different ideas, that God did it all on purpose. That God is unknown for a reason. So you will search for them. And, and grope for them, and maybe find them. That's what we are made for, to go looking and see what we find. Paul, who everywhere else is very preachy, who tells everyone else exactly who God is and what God wants them to do, Paul seems to understand here, maybe because this is the only book of Paul's that's not written by Paul. He seems to understand, if if only for a moment, that there is no faster way to get the Athenians to check out on the whole project than to force the issue. But also that maybe God is less concerned with the Athenians adopting Paul's image than with them searching for their own. Maybe the search and not the image is the point. The naturalist Peter Steinhardt wrote, the point of having a Sasquatch on our minds is that it makes us pry into the thickets and walk over the horizon, hoping always to see something take wing in the ghostly silvery light. After she said that God was like Bigfoot, Nola said there was one difference. No one goes on expeditions to try to find God. Which was definitely a setup for a sermon, right? I mean, and I acknowledge, like, I wrote this story in the newsletter, but I could not not preach it. I'm sorry. So apologies if you read the newsletter. And if you didn't read the newsletter, I will accept your apologies. (laughs) No one goes on expeditions to try to find God. I tried to answer her like Paul. That's exactly what they do, what God has made us to do, to search and to grope and to pry into the hedge and walk over the horizon, hoping to catch even a glimpse. And maybe because she's into cryptids, she didn't ask the obvious question, the question that many of us may have asked at least once in our search for that elusive God. Why? Why should God be this way, so hard to see, so difficult to provide indisputable evidence of, or any evidence of? Why are we only left with with footprints, with tracks, with grainy photos and bouncy videos? In the Bigfoot community, they have their answer to that question. They point out that while people suggest the blurry photos are just convenient ways to pass off fakes, they say if there were ever really like a crystal clear image that they could give, people would insist that was computer generated. It would be too good to be true. There's no winning, they say. 
So while they venture out on expeditions hoping for some incontrovertible evidence, they know an image will never prove the existence of Sasquatch without a doubt. For that, they say, you have to head into the woods and hope to have an encounter of your own. Which to me means that Nola is absolutely right. God is like Bigfoot. Another person's image can only get you so far. It can stoke your curiosity maybe or like move the needle of your doubt slightly, convince you to go on that first expedition, but it will never be enough on its own. To hear someone else proclaim who God is, tell you about their sighting, babbling on about the creator of the universe, that strange spirit, that alien one, it never really convinces anybody. Preaching it's a waste of time. That's the subtext of this sermon. <laughs> and that's not what God wants anyway, for us to take someone else's word for it. God created us for the exploration, for curiosity, to search and grope our way through the dark forest toward them. But not without hope. Paul assures the Athenians, indeed, God is not far from each of us. In them, he goes on, we live and move and have our being. We are meant to look, but we don't have to look that far. There's evidence all around. You've probably already found some, whether you know it or not, it's inside you. I told Nola that people go on expeditions all the time to find God, that that's what I think we're doing here every Sunday. And that even if they don't come back with a photograph, they often do feel like they've found something, some evidence or some feeling or, or some image, some fleeting glimpse of the creator of the universe, some tiny souvenir of the hunt, a tuft of fur or a plaster cast of an impression in muds, an image of where something had been, maybe just a single toe. And I told her I thought we were supposed to share those with each other when we find them, not, not to try to convince each other, we never could, but to help fill in the details for those of us who are searching, to listen to one another's stories and be able to say to each other, yes, yes, it was like that for me. I told her I thought that everyone knew something of God because God created them and is inside of them. God created us and is inside of us, each one of us. In them, we live and move and have our being, whether we've ever noticed it or not. And then out of nowhere, my atheist daughter told me, I think he has a gentle voice. And although I disagreed with her male pronouns for God, she really will not he hear me on that issue. <laughs> the rest of it seemed right. Lined up with my own image. All the blurry shots I've taken through the years, the collage I am assembling with each new trip into the forest, which after a while has started to add up 
to sharpen, to fill in. Not enough to convince a skeptic, maybe, but that was never the point anyway. It only needs to be enough to make me want to pack up and head off again into the hedges over the horizon.